Hello and welcome back to the Irish Football Fans Podcast. I'm Joseph McCarthy of the Irish Abroad website. I'm joined, as always, by Mark Kennedy of Hawkeye Sidekick and Phil Flanagan of the Bottomist Pit of Football. That's, it's been almost a year since our last taste of international football. I'm looking forward to discussing the senior and under-21 squads and also some of the transfers that have gone through during the transfer window so far. How are you both doing? Yeah, all good, Joe. Trying to keep it sane with this pandemic anyway. Yeah, great to have a bit of international forward, or football to finally look forward to. I know. It's been a long time since the draw was made for the playoffs. That never happened in March. Obviously, Mick McCarthy has stepped aside and Stephen Kenny is the new senior international manager. He announced his first senior squad just this week. There's two uncapped players, Norwich City's Adam Ida and Brighton Hove Albion's Jason Malumbi have received their first senior call-ups. I think the first reaction to the, the squad was it could be a little light in defence. Mark, what was your first reaction to the squad? I thought just given... Joe that it was the Nations League. I thought he might have experimented a little bit more on the squad rotation, but I think you can see from Stephen Kenny's perspective, maybe he just wants a completely solid start to his managerial tenure. But I'm happy to see the likes of Adam Maida in there. I've, I've kind of talked to him about him. We've talked about him at length in the podcast here. Great talent, Troy Paris. But again, these guys have precious few game minutes under their belt from a first team football perspective so but it's good to see some young blood in there but it's very consistent isn't it guys I mean there's no real genuine shocks particularly defensively looks pretty experienced tried and trusted and same at midfield as well delighted to see Jason Malumpy in there as well obviously well we could already be seeing our first pull out from the squad James McCarthy was injured in a pre-season friendly for Crystal Palace against Oxford if that happens uh, who do you think is going to get called up to replace him uh, hopefully a centre back. Not sure um, of the players he's left out. Like God, you wouldn't say Glenn Whelan, would you? I'd still be hoping McCarthy would pull through. Maybe Jack Byrne. Like they have enough in the middle really to cover that position. Horan could drop in there. Archer could drop in there. So possibly another attacking player. You'd like to see Byrne maybe come in as he's a midfielder. But overall, I think it's a. I think it's a good squad. It's an experienced squad, as Mark said. It's it's solid. It's not like a normal manager taking over where you're kind of taking over at the back end of a campaign or before a new campaign. Uh, he's got three or four games where he can qualify for, for a major championship. And I think the squad he's picked is, reflects that. It would be nice to see plenty more young players in, but really he has to go with what he thinks can qualify him for the tournament. And I think the two players he did bring in, Malumbi and Ida, they're not just being brought in for the sake of being brought in. I can really see Malumbi, you can nearly see him starting both games. Potentially, you know, he's the under-21 captain. He had a great season with Millwall. So, uh, overall, it's I'm, I'm happy enough with the squad. Hopefully, McCarthy can pull through saying that. Yeah, I think Jack Byrne was named as uh, one of the players on the standby list. And you would certainly hope that he pulls through the, the European game with Shamrock Rovers. And it would be great to see League of Ireland representation in the national side. My own opinion is that there could be more experimentation in it. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad to see the two players promoted from the under-21s. But on the other hand, we have to treat these two games as warm-up for the playoff game in October. And we can't afford to lose that game at all. We can't afford to have the European Championships taking place in Dublin and the Ireland national team not 
playing in those games at Aviva Stadium. And I think that the squad is building or is using these two games to get reacquainted with each other. I don't think there's going to be anything too radical in terms of the actual starting 11. I think we might line out slightly differently than we have under the last two managers. Kenny did play a 4-3-3 or a 4-5-1 with the under-21s when he was in charge there. And the way he's talked about the players that he's brought into the squad, it kind of leads me to believe that we're going to see that. I think I was a little surprised with the labelling of some of the players as well. Callum O'Dowda and James McLean were both labelled as forwards instead of midfielders, which was a little strange. I think the only way that they will play as forwards would be as as wide forwards. I think we're going to see uh, 4-3-3, and I think we're going to see Darren Randolph in goals. I don't think Travers or O'Hara are going to get a chance to add to their two caps each, firing an injury or suspension to Randolph. We're all looking forward to how he's going to solve the coleman Darty conundrum. Is he going to play Coleman as a wing-back? Is he going to play Darty further forward in midfield? I agree that we do look short in defence. We have three central defenders. We have one left full and two right full-backs, although Darty could cover the left full as well. Mark, uh, how do you see the team lining up? Yeah, I kind of wrote a blog on this earlier this week. I look, I'm going pretty adventurous here. Needless to say, I'm not managing the Republic of Ireland. I don't have the media on my back, but I went for a 3-5-2 formation. I think Randolph will start in goal. The only thing I would say about Randolph is next season is going to be really important for Randolph. You know, he's getting precious game time uh, at West Ham. So I think it might be decision time for Randolph where, where he's going to get that game time. But for now, Randolph is our number one. I think Travers definitely not in the reckoning right now. I went for a Coleman Egan Duffy back three. I think Coleman could very much acquaint himself in that back three. I mean, he played that with Ancelotti there towards the back end of last season uh, and seemed to do well there. John Egan, a player that I think Kenny will mould the team around really. Good footballer. Passes from the back, you know, early dominant and set piece prowess. I've gone for Shane Duffy as well. Now, you know, you could say about his precious game time as well. Potter hasn't really given him much in Brighton, but still, you know, he hasn't had to side down. Uh, and again, his set piece threat is there for everyone to see. Midfield wise, I went Matt Doherty, Stevens on the wings, James McCarthy if he's fit, Jeff Hendrick, Connor Horan in the middle of the park. And then I went for Aaron Connolly just to basically play just behind Shane Long. In um, you know, particularly for that Bulgarian game, because I know um, uh, Dave McGoldrick is going to be unavailable for selection in that Bulgarian game. But again, I think from the Bulgarian perspective, I think he's looking for a good result here away from home. I mean, three five two might be ambitious, but I'm not seeing anything in that Bulgarian squad to really scare me. So I've gone for that kind of formation. I think three five two is definitely a possibility. I actually think he's going to go with three in midfield. The way he's topped up James McCarthy, even before the squad was announced, leads me to believe he will start in midfield if he's available. Uh, I think it'll be Arthur alongside him, just for the experience. He's had uh, a good season out on loan at Fulham. He didn't suffer the after effects of relegation that his, his Bournemouth teammates have gone through. Uh, he's still with Bournemouth, but there's talk that uh, he'll complete a permanent transfer to, to Fulham and help them to try and stay in the Premier League next season. And I think we'll see Jeff Hendrick playing slightly 
uh, on the right of that three. Again, just the way that he's talked about him, and he's talked about him more than he's talked about the other midfielders in the squad. It's just a, maybe a bit of an inkling. If McCarthy is unavailable, I think it'll be Horan that starts. I don't know if Malumbi is ready for an away game as uh, his international debut, but I can definitely see him playing uh, against Finland. And then up front, I think we're going to see Connolly play wide left and possibly Robinson wide right. Uh, but I'm not sure who's going to be playing in the, the central striker role. The way that Kenny has talked about Troy Paris, that he's in the squad because he can play that central role. I think it'll be him that starts, uh, which for an 18-year-old uh, away from home in a, a competitive game is rare. Before Aaron Connolly, the last two players to do so were was Robbie Keane and Damian Duff. So... It says a lot about how highly regarded Troy Parrott is that not only have they kept him in the senior squad uh, and not played him, not let him go to the training camp that the under-21s have, but that he's been talked up as a possible starter with a very clearly defined role uh, based on his uh, his abilities. Phil, what do you think? I mean, how do you think we're going to see the, the squad line out? Well, I think the way the squad's been picked is really telling about what formation he's going to play. I can't see him playing 3-5-2 because he doesn't have the personnel if anything goes wrong at the back. Like, he's only got the two centre-backs. I know Coleman could be a centre-back, but even then he's leaving himself a bit short. And I think the way he's actually, the squad has been announced, uh, with your, as you mentioned, with your forwards and your midfielders. So your midfielders are basically centre midfielders, including Brady. They're simply centre midfielders. And your forwards are actually a combination of all wide men and forwards. And if you look at the forwards... The actual strikers he's got, so he, he likes to play 4-3-3 with one at the top and, and two wide men. So like nearly like, say, Liverpool would play. For the first game, we've no McGoldrick, so he's really only got Long or Ida that can actually spearhead that. I know Connolly can as well, but you know he can play out wide as well. So I think we'll see 4-3-3. I think we'll see no change at the back, the back five. I think that'll be as it should be. With Randolph, I can see Coleman starting. You know, he hasn't made any big announcements about captaincy or anything, so I can see Coleman going in, Stevens, Duffy and Egan. Midfield, it depends if McCarthy's fit. If McCarthy's fit, it'll be McCarthy, Hendrick and probably Arthur. I'd love to see Malumbi go in straight away. I think Bulgaria and Danny Gray Chicks, I know it's away from home, but he's been playing in the championship for a season. I think with Hendrick and McCarthy, especially McCarthy behind him, he he definitely be good enough. And up front then, I think actually we'll see Long, possibly Connolly and Robinson. It's kind of up front where I'm not too sure, but possibly Connolly left, Robinson right, and Long up top. But definitely the way the squad's been picked, it all points to 4-3-3 in my view. And I think the big thing with Kenny is everybody was kind of saying when he came in that, well, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see all these new players come in. But it's actually the most exciting thing is what he's going to do with the players that were there. Because the huge complaint under O'Neill, and to a certain extent McCarthy was, that we have all these players, and I'm sure they could be not passing the ball sideways or backwards or not forwards, or and I'm sure we can get more out of them. And I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to get more out of these players. We're actually going to see them. We're going to see Jeff Hendrick play in his proper position, running onto the ball, box to box. You know, we're going to see players play their proposition like that. And I think... I think we will see Malumbi start one of the games because he's not going to come in and not bring 
someone with him and start him because the whole thing about Kenny is he's oh he's been with the under twenty ones and he's gonna he's gonna bring in all this youth and everything and for him to go into his first two games and not start any new player I think would be very, very odd and I think he trusts Malumbi so yeah so that's what I think. Yeah, I don't think Malumbi will start the game in Bulgaria, but I can definitely see him starting in Aviva Stadium against yeah. Pos- uh, against Finland. Bulgaria, but definitely Finland. Finland haven't announced their squad as of the, this recording. It's due to be announced uh, within the next 24 hours. But Bulgaria have announced their squad for their game against us on the third, and they play Wales on the sixth, the same night that we play Finland. There's not a lot of experience in the squad beyond what I would consider their, their starting 4-4-2. There's not a lot of goals in the squad. Their top scorer is a midfielder, Kosta Dinov. He's with Arsenal Tula in Russia, and he's only scored three goals at international level. Uh, the four strikers that are, are announced in the squad have five goals between them. Their most capped player is also their captain. That's uh, Peter Zanev of CSK Sofia. Uh, he's got 43 caps, uh, which is... 20 more caps than pretty much everyone else in the squad, apart from the goalkeeper, Mihailov. Just looking at the squads, the way it's laid out, they're going to play uh, an orthodox 4-4-2. There's not a lot of goals in the squad, as I've said. I don't think that they will score against us. Maybe I'm giving them the, the, the kiss of death there. Uh, and I think that there's definitely goals in our team. I know I've said that there isn't a lot of goals in the Bulgarian squad, and it's kind of the same for the the Ireland squad. Only McLean and Long uh, have double figures, and quite a few only have a single goal. But there is goals in the team, and there's I think there's a lot of creativity as well. I think we're going to come away from Bulgaria with a win. At the very least, I don't see us losing, and we'll have to win against Finland at home. Mark, uh, have you had a chance to look at the the Bulgaria squad, or what do you think of uh, how do you think Finland are going to be set up? Well, I think with the Bulgarians, like we've seen them in action in Dublin. I don't think there's been too many changes. I think maybe maybe four or five newcomers in that squad, but they didn't really show a whole pile when they were at the Viva Stadium earlier last season. So I'd be relatively confident. I mean, Bulgaria, you know, at home, like there won't be any crowd here, will there, in Sofia as well? So usually these kind of places are pretty intimidating, but if there's no crowd, I think as long as Stephen Kenny has set out his game plan, the players stick to their instructions be professional about it they should have more than enough for Bulgaria I think Finland uh, could be you know the dark horse in this particular group I think we know what Wales kind of bring to the table but Finland had a great kind of European qualification campaign they're very physical always very physical big side but they're very defensively organised and an awful lot of their goals really came through Timu Puki who was kind of really running off the last man an awful lot of good service into him the Finnish guys an awful lot of no granted the squad has not been announced yet an awful lot of them playing their league in Eredivisie, Belgium leagues, Bundesliga, Team of Pukki we'd know and very familiar with in the English Premier League. So that's a team to be really reckoned with. You know, we have that fixture on the Sunday after the Bulgarian game on the Thursday night. That could be a real tough test for Ireland, particularly Finland being tough to break down defensively. Jam, I would be roughly confident in the Bulgarian game. I think the Finnish game is maybe a kind of 50-50 game right now, just given the form that Finland were in before the pandemic uh, broke anyway. And they'll be eager to prove a point to Ireland as well. Yeah, and I think similar to Bulgaria, there's not a lot of goals spread around the team. Norwich's team of Bucky is the top scorer with 25, and the rest of the squad combined don't even have that many goals. Uh, so he's obviously their, their danger man. 
he's also the, the most cap player in, in that squad. Uh, he's got uh, 80, just ahead of the, the captain, Tim Sparv, on, on 74. Uh, he plays with Thailand. Uh, just looking through the Finland squad that was announced for their two uh, Euro 2020 qualifying games at the end of last year against Liechtenstein and Greece, they do play across a, a wide amount of leagues. There's players in Germany, in Italy, obviously in England, but also in the, the US and across Scandinavia. And that's something we don't see in the Ireland squad, obviously. The majority will come from the UK. And I, I would like to see more players try their hand in European football. At the moment, Connor Noss at Bayern München Gladbach and Connor Ronan has just gone on loan to uh, Swiss side Grasshoppers of Zurich. But there aren't too many other players who uh, would be maybe looking at a, a senior squad place, uh, at least not in the next 12 months. Uh, so maybe something to, to keep in mind. It's also interesting that uh, Finland have Daniel O'Shaughnessy in defence. Uh, his brother, Patrick O'Shaughnessy, had an interest in playing for Ireland, but don't think it's, it's going to happen. Their father is from Galway. But for now, their international legion lies with uh, with the Finns. With Stephen Kenny in charge of the senior team, the under-21s have been taken over by Jim Crawford. The under-21s were supposed to play uh, friendly, but obviously because of the ongoing global health crisis, uh, it was decided to cancel that. So instead, a 25-man squad has been named for a training camp in Northern Ireland. The, this is to allow any players based in the UK to travel without having to isolate. I think it's a strong squad, particularly in defence. You know, there's a lot of creativity in midfield and there's a lot of goals up front. We're seeing first call-ups for Southampton midfielders Will Ferry and Will Smallbone. Ryan Cassidy, who's come through the underage system at Watford and has gone out on loan this season to Accrington Stanley, gets his first call-up. But the other strikers in the team are so strong that he mightn't play in the, the qualifiers in October. Phil, what do you think of the squad and what do you think our chances are, are, are of qualification for the UEFA Under-21 Championships next year? Yeah, I think it's um, it's an experienced squad when it comes to, to actual players with a lot of club games under their belt last season. Um, you know, if they can get a result against Italy, I think they're, they're as good as there. Um, Luxembourg last have no points and is it Iceland before that? But, um, yeah, in defence... It looks strong. Um, there's a lot of Irish players in it as well, but I think the interesting thing is you're looking at this squad and you're thinking who can make the jump up to Stephen Kenny's team as well, and and a lot of them players will be thinking the same thing. So you've got the likes of Darrow O'Shea, who's with West Brom, who's had an unbelievable season, um, Will Smallbone. Uh, we have to mention Michael Obafemi as well. To have someone who's played that many Premier League games who will probably start at the tip of your attack is um, is a great positive. So. Yeah, it's, it's strong all around. And as you mentioned before, Gavin Bazuna, who's gone to Rochdale to play, be interesting to see how long before he's in the starting team as well. So overall, it's, it's a strong team. You've Leo Connor there as well, who's just gone on loan. So there's plenty of players with plenty to prove, and, and I'd be hopeful that they can qualify. Mark, there's probably a surprising amount of senior club experience in that under-21 squad, which we're not really used to. If you look down through it, Leo Connor has plays uh, out on loan last season. He's going to spend this season on loan with Tranmere. As we said, Darrow O'Shea uh, is going to be playing 
Premier League football this season for West Brom after you know starring in their promotion run last season. Nathan Collins for Stoke City, Dan Mandrew for Bohemians, Will Smallbone broke into the Southampton team after the, the restart, and as Phil has said up front, uh, Michael Obafemi, who's not just Premier League experience but also Premier League goals. How do you think this squad rates in terms of previous under 21s? Yeah, I think this is one of them. This has the potential to be one of the best under 21 squads that we've ever assembled, really. And I do remember, like, the likes of Troy Paris and Adam Nye that had featured earlier on in the qualification campaign. But even then, those tacking options leaving to go to the senior team were. I think we're completely stacked here, guys, in terms of an awful lot of tacking options. We've I mentioned Obafemi here. Uh, I mean, you could kind of spotlight Jonathan uh, Folabi as well. I mean, a new start for him in Glasgow Celtic. He had a successful loan move to Dunfermline Athletic. I think this is a guy with massive potential here, you know, and if he kind of applies himself, I think himself and Obafemi potentially could be kind of a striking partnership here for the under-21s. They could absolutely wreak havoc on any sides in the qualification campaign. It just goes to show, and then you've mentioned Ron Cassidy, who's been absolutely prolific for Watford in underage. You know, I remember, was it their 2019? Watford went on a great run in the FAU Cup. Ryan Cassidy was prominent in that. Again, massive goals, scoring uh, prowess with the club in Watford. And again, a guy like that, he's gone to Ackerton Stanley, who are expecting high things of him. And even the likes of Ryan Cassidy, as you said yourself, Joe, at the start of this segment, may struggle to get any game time, you know, which is extraordinary, you know. Something like Ryan Cassidy coming along in previous under-21 squads, you know, Noel King in charge, he'd literally be first name in team sheet. But literally, you're kind of looking at it here. Even like likes Danny Grant, you know, Neil Ferrugia as well. It's just, you know, it's literally stacked. All these guys are very good technical players. I mean, credit to the FEI, the coaching schemes, everything else. You know, the fact that we have five homegrown guys playing their football here in, in Ireland as well. Um, it's a it's a lovely kind of testament to the skill sets, the technical skill sets here of these guys. You know, they're all kind of out playing in terms of loan deals, that sort of thing, and they're impressing. And their parent clubs are kind of seeing that feedback. So, look, it's a it's a magnificent squad. I think. I mean, I kind of wrote there today, excitement, potential. They were the two words that kind of left out to me when I saw that under twenty one squad. And look, we shouldn't be inhibited by playing Italy. I think this squad is more than capable. If it was the squad to get a result against the Italians. So, you know, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what this team have to offer. And do you think that Crawford is going to continue with the same formation that Kenny was playing? Or is he going to look to change things up and put his own stamp on the team? Yeah, I suppose my perspective on it, Joe, would be Stephen Kenny obviously would have some dealings with Jim Crawford here on the game plan, the ethos, the vision. You'd hope that the two managers are in sync here in terms of the footballing vision that they want to see their under-21 side play, which was very expansive, you know, passing from the back, very progressive creativity, up-tempo football, you know, players looking for the ball. You're hoping that that will continue under this new management. I think there's no reason why you shouldn't. And literally have that kind of synchronisation between the under-21s making that transition step up into the seniors. So I'm not expecting much different here in terms of the under-21 and kind of the way Stephen Kenny had approached it anyway. I don't know about you, Phil. Yeah, I think it's 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 probably one of the reasons they went for Jim Crawford, and, and it's what you want to see. You want to see your 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 team play, your all your international teams try and play the same way the whole way coming through the ranks, even from under-17s, because it makes the transition up the ranks simpler if you're playing a certain way, and I think that's probably what they'll go for. Um, 
you know, just to help the players, and especially in the middle of, I know it's been a long break, but you don't want to be changing anything too radically in the middle of the qualifying campaign. Like, there's not too many changes to that squad. Like, Molumbi's a loss to it, but they have plenty in midfield to, to step in, but you would expect them to kind of approach the game the same way, because this works so well, they're top of the group, and, and why would you change it? Yeah, and as well, Jason Knight yeah, in the uh, midfield as well, Joe. I mean, you know, we talked about Jason Malumphy gone to the senior spot, but you have a guy in Jason Knight here, which, you know, is an incredible player for his age. He's he's come on leaps and bounds last season, and, I mean, he's a guy that's providing leadership in Derby County, a, a guy of that such young age. I mean, really does bode well for the under-21s to have a guy like Jason Knight there. I'd also mention Jack Taylor as well, a guy of meteoric wise last season. Peterborough made a move for him from Barnet. And again, two goals in 11 appearances for Peterborough before the pandemic hit. A guy that we should really be looking out for here in terms of his club form. He might get much game time in the under-21s, but I think this is a guy that's literally progressing up the ladder. And this is the kind of prevailing trend here, I think, on the under-21 guys. These guys are all on an upward curve. You know, they have massive confidence in themselves and their ability. And, you know, it's just going to be so exciting to see. Italy are going to play twice before they face Ireland on the 13th of October. They're away to Sweden and then away to Iceland. And there's no guarantee that they're going to get results in either game. Sweden obviously lost to, to us at home 3-1, but put five past Iceland. Iceland's home records, they beat us 1-0. It almost seemed like a sports ground pitch, and or that's our only loss in the qualifying series so far. Put six goals past Armenia and and three past Luxembourg. So there's no guarantee that Italy are going to make up the three points in the two games that they are behind us. And I think we all recognise that qualifier uh, against Italy in October in Italy could potentially decide the group. Uh, we've in our last two games we faced Iceland at home, where we'd be expected to win and avenge that result in Reykjavik. Before we play uh, Luxembourg away in a final game, and again you would expect us to pick up three points in that game. Uh, when uh, Italy are playing Sweden on the same night, two of our rivals for that qualifying spot. Um, so there's a lot to look forward to for the under 21s in the next three months. That's a long time since we've said that. Finally, the transfer window is in full swing at the moment. Uh, I think the most high-profile move for an Ireland player so far has been Jeff Hendrick going to Newcastle after his contract ended with Burnley. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do for the Magpies. I think the prevailing attitude among Ireland fans was that he he's a talented player but has often failed to deliver on that talent. I think it's a little unfair Given the way that Burnley play, uh, he maybe might not have been allowed to express that talent. But he was a uh, first-team regular for Sean Dyke since he transferred to Burnley from Derby. He was a record signing at the time. He stayed in Sean Dyke's first team, and he's not a manager that's going to put a player into uh, his starting eleven just for the sake of it. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him at St. James's Park next season. I think they possibly exceeded expectations. And I know affairs off the field at Newcastle have taken precedence in the, the news for the last oh, 12 months, maybe. Mark, what did you think of the move? And are there any other moves that have caught your eye? Yeah, I suppose with Jeff Hendrick, 
we'd been talking on a podcast in the last few weeks regarding that AC Milan link. So when I heard Newcastle United, I'm like, yeah, it's a solid move. It's a solid move for Hendrick. Again, squad is talented enough. I mean, you could say it's a little bit way for Tim if a few injuries do creep in there. He still has Kieran Clark for company, provoked for our defender. I think it's an awful lot to offer from an international uh, scene as well. Uh, we didn't really speak about him in terms of international inclusion, but he's there. He's playing consistently well for Newcastle. But for Hendrick, you know, even with our Republic of Ireland, has he really been playing in his optimal position? I think Phil, you maybe hit the nail on the head there. You know, literally, he's kind of key position being an attacking midfielder. Maybe he hasn't been given that role uh, too often in previous seasons. I think it's a solid move, I think. In terms of central midfield, you have the likes of Matty Longstaff, John Joe Shelby. You've kind of quality guys there in the squad as well. So, And you may say the overperforming things. Steve Ruth did an outstanding job with the team there last year because it looked pretty big for them this time last season when the season was about to start. There was minimal squad investment because of Mike Ashley and looking to offload the club. And Yeah, it's a solid move for Jeff Hendrick, really. You know, he will be getting game time there anyway. And you hope for Newcastle and Hendrick's sake. They can get off to a good start and, you know, re-stabilise and maybe kind of push on to maybe top half of the table. Uh, but, yeah, it's a solid move. Yeah, and I think uh, other kind of, you know, there's been a few loan signings and other things, but uh, I don't know, Phil, if you want to kind of talk about them. Yeah, just to go back to Hendrick quickly, I think he's been unfortunate um, with the teams he's played in. Like, Dyche obviously likes him, but last season he was put out on the kind of the right side of midfield, which isn't his position and he, he didn't get right. He stayed in the team the whole season, but I don't think Burnley fans really appreciated him. And I think he's been unlucky in the Ireland team because he's never really been played in his in his correct position, which is probably at the tip of a three in the middle. And I think some fans have this vision of him that he's a bit of a workhorse, but he, he's actually far from it because if you watch him, he doesn't do a lot of running in defence. And he's more a player who likes to run onto a ball or, or come onto a ball or play a forward pass. I actually think Newcastle is a great move for him because I think... They'll probably be disappointed because they thought they were getting maybe Cavani and someone else with the Saudis and they're actually getting Jeff Hendrick. But they're a club that they appreciate effort and they appreciate work rate. And I think you'll get that out of Hendrick and hopefully he can be played in his, his normal position. Other transfers, there hasn't been many. Um, obviously, Parrot at Millwall is, is a big one. Finally get to see Parrot play some club football and hopefully he can do well. And... I suppose the other rumours, um, Duffy to Celtic, originally I thought when I heard it, I thought it was a step down because he's, what is he, 28? And I thought that's probably it, he's peaking and he might be peaking a bit too early. But from his point of view, going to somewhere like Celtic Park, playing in front of fifty or 60,000, possibly playing Europa League and actually winning something, you can't really begrudge him it. So they'd be the main ones, I suppose. But definitely be excited for Hendrick and definitely Parrot as well. Parrot's the other one. It's time for him now to, to show what all the hype has been about so hopefully he can do it at Millwall where Irish players have been doing well for the last few years Yeah I think Gavin Bazunu's loan to Rochdale is very much along the same lines he was added to Manchester City's Champions League squad for the games that came after the restart so they obviously read him very highly and for an 18 year old to go out on loan is is rare and it's even rarer for a, a goalkeeper that young to go on loan. Obviously, he still has or he has first team experience from his time at Shamrock Rovers when he was only sixteen. I think Manchester City wouldn't have sent him to Rochdale if they didn't think he was going to get first team experience there. So I think that's a a, a huge move. 
think a few ones that maybe have gone under the radar. Uh, Tommy Hoban uh, has gone back to Aberdeen after recovering from injury and has gone into the first team at Pataudry and seems to be doing well uh, in the the new season in Scotland. It's I know he was really high rated in his time at Watford. At one point, he was even linked with Arsenal, uh, but he just seems to be cursed with uh, injuries. So I, I really do hope that he's able to succeed uh, with the Dons away from English football and away even from men's football. Defender Louise Quinn uh, has gone to, to Italy to sign for Fiorentina's ladies team and made her debut in the new Serie A women's season just last weekend. Obviously a very experienced player, played in Sweden before coming to, to play in England, won trophies with Arsenal and now hopes to, to repeat that uh, on the continent. We mentioned Conor Ronan's move to Grasshopper Zurich, which I'm I'm actually a little disappointed with. The second division in Switzerland is not really where I wanted to see him at this point of his career. He's spent a lot of time out on loan from Wolves in Eastern Europe and now in Central Europe. But he should be pushing for that first team spot uh, in Nuno Gomez's squad. And I think if this loan doesn't push him into that first team picture... It might be time to start looking at a permanent move away from Wolves. I'd like to thank Mark and Phil for joining me to discuss the squad that was announced. We're all looking forward to Stephen Kenny's first match in charge of the senior Ireland team. We're all disappointed that we're not going to be able to see the team in person for their first game at home in the Viva Stadium, but we hope this soon uh, we will be able to support the boys in green in person. We'll have another episode after the Bulgaria game. Looking forward to the, the Finland match. We'll discuss the result there and what it means for the games in October. We hope to talk to you soon. Take care.